this morning we start a new sermon series titled Advocate. And um, it, we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit in the month of May and what that is and, and what that looks like. Um, because I do believe that after the ascension of Jesus, there was a change in guard. All right? There was a change in guard. Promoted by Jesus himself. Not by me. The word advocate means a person who publicly supports or recommends a particular cause or policy. Based on that definition, all of us in the room here today would agree that having an advocate is something that we could all benefit from. In fact, when somebody is having a, a difficult time or going through the most difficult times of their life, that word support is one of those things that is utilized the most. We tell them, join a support group. Get around people. Because the idea of having someone for you, for your cause, by your side, has a way of generating an, an effort inside all of us, an effort like we have never seen before. You get two people together to come together with one common purpose, with one action, with one, with, with, with one concept. And it becomes a greater impact. This is, in fact, a biblical principle. We use it for weddings a lot when you're doing weddings. You read Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9 to 12, where it says, Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You need one of those alert things on your neck. <laughs> what is it? Life alert? Is that what it's called? Yeah. <laughs> I've fallen and I can't get up. Yeah. <laughs> Likewise, two people lying close together keep each other warm. Sorry for the people that are single in the room. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can't be, can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better. For a triple-braided cord, it's, it's not easily broken. It is a proven fact that when two or more people come together for a common purpose, the impact could be massive. The Bible actually says where two or, more, or three are gathered as my followers, I am there among them. There is power in unity, in support systems. That's what we do with each other. When we're going through a troubled time, when we're struggling with something, the first thing we do is pick up the phone and call somebody. When Rosie and I were engaged, I lost my job. I called her crying on my way home. She's like, oh, why, what am I doing? Why am I marrying this guy? He's lost his job. He's on the phone crying. You know, not, not one of my most, you know, proudful moments. But <laughs> why did I say that? Uh... <laughs> I'm so glad she's not in here. <laughs> but the reason why this series is so important is because most of us, or some of us, may be tackling life as Christians, facing things that may be hard to overcome alone. When God has granted us all an advocate, he lives within us. The advocate is in us. The Bible says that when you come into salvation with Jesus and faith to Jesus, you are clinged, linked with the Spirit of God. And we're going to go through that and dive into it for the whole month of May. Of course, keeping, skipping next week because it's Mother's Day. 
I don't know that I could spin that off. But here's what we see in Scripture. In preparation for his death, Jesus gives the disciples a promise of this, this advocate that will come and never, ever leave them. He is with you forever. He's not moving out. He's not going anywhere. He is with you at all times. He is with you forever. He is there to help. John 14, 16 to 17 says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. And it doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. We are a church that believes in the active power and work of the Holy Spirit. And you're like, oh my goodness, here comes this Pentecostal preacher. When is he going to start running? You know, and, but, but I want you not to miss this concept here. Okay, this is important. This is a pivotal part of our faith that I think too many people ignore. One of the, most thing, one of the things that saddens me the most is that because we, we as believers have understood God the Father. Respect him for who he is. We have also put the full trust on Jesus and acknowledged the work that he's done on the, on the cross. But we have somehow told ourselves that we must completely bypass the Holy Spirit in our lives. Like it is something completely different that doesn't exist. That is something that people choose to have and not to have. It is incredible to me that as people, when we don't understand something, all we do is walk away from it. It is easier for us to ignore things than to face them and understand them and to look into them. What if I, what if I told you that acting without the Holy Spirit as a Christian you may be missing the most important part of your faith today. You think Jesus is important? Well, let me tell you, Jesus emphasizes the importance of this transition of the Spirit. I too believe we should pay close attention and become involved in what the Spirit of God is able to offer us and do through us. There's a unique responsibility on us today to know and experience the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because the Bible gives us a history of redemption with three major divisions. And these divisions reveal progressively the three persons of the Trinity of God. Okay? I know it's going to get tricky here, but I'm going to throw it at you. God the Father. God the Son. God the Holy Spirit. Before, coming, before the coming of Christ, the greatest test of truth was the oneness of God's nature and his monarchy overall. Especially with respects of the person of God the Father in the Old Testament. Then Jesus arrives and the great question was whether people would recognize and receive this incarnated son of God. And his fullness as the deity of God. Then Jesus dies, he is risen, he exalts the Father, and sends his Holy Spirit with new prominence on the church. How interesting. But we stop, a lot of us stop at Jesus. We love hearing the, New the Old Testament stories about God 
speaking to people and all the different things that happen. We love talking about Jesus and the sacrificial lamb that did all for us. And all that is amazing and powerful. But we skip through scripture when it talks about this active Holy Spirit advocate that would be left behind for us to interact with that will never leave us. And we wonder why we struggle in life. We live in a unique time in history. You could almost say we're living in the days of the Spirit. Just as Israel had a special responsibility to know and honor God as the Father in oneness and in His nature, just as the people of Palestine had a responsibility to know and honor Jesus as the Son of God in the days of His flesh, we now have a special responsibility to honor the Holy Spirit of God. That's the church of God. This is extremely important for us to consider because that same sin that rejected Jesus, that might have rejected the Father, is the same idolatry that we could be using today to, receive, to reject the Holy Spirit of God at work in our lives. As He is trying to interact and work within us, you could almost say that the same idolatry that is displayed, that was displayed back then, is the same one we actively use today in different ways to reject a God who is wanting to act in your life this very day. We should be thankful that we are born in the day when the fullness of God's nature as three in one has been revealed fully. It's amazing. You know, I, everyone who, who loves God should, should try to find ways to personally seek him and, and experience as much of God as possible in their lives. You would think if I told you there's more of God, you would be like, yes, let me have more. Not, I don't understand, get away from me. Now, the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force. He is powerful, but he's also personal. The most important passage to support these truths is found in John chapter 14 to, six, to, to chapter 16. At, at least three things in these chapters confirm that Jesus thinks of the whole, what Jesus thinks of the Holy Spirit as a person, not just a force. He is a person with a mind, a will, emotions. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. The Spirit speaks and acts. He can, he can be grieved. He can be resisted. He ignored and, and even sinned against. He comforts, counsels, guides. So I want you to ask yourself this question this morning. Do you find it easier to believe in Jesus than you do the Holy Spirit? You know, many times we use the expression, this, it would be so much easier if Jesus was right here next to me. We wear bracelets that say, what would Jesus do back in the day? Not now, I get it. I got mine on. <laughs> You know, this is what Jesus actually says. In John chapter 16, verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Can you imagine being the disciples and taking that in? No, God. Don't go anywhere, Jesus. I need you here. Miracles, the whole thing. You're the man. Like, I don't need you to go anywhere. And he's telling them, it is better to your advantage that I go away, for I do not, if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. That is the promise to us. 
We are being promised this by Jesus himself. He is promoting it. It's not Pastor Moises up here telling you. This is the words of Jesus. Our faith requires this transition of the guard. We believe in Jesus and what he did. And no one could ever replace that. But he also did something amazing when he left. As he gave us the Holy Spirit. Many of us struggle. Struggle with the, with the idea. And, and, and wonder why. You know, we, we ask ourselves, have I made that transition? Do I, I believe in Jesus, but am I actively believing in that power that's within me working at work? If the Bible truly says that we're cling, that we're linked to the Spirit of God, you know, take the overflow and the baptism out of the way for a second. At salvation, if I ask this room, if you are a believer in Christ and I say, do you have the Holy Spirit living within you? Everyone in the room should lift their hands up because you were clinged with them at salvation. All right. Now, I'm not going to get too into it. I, I could talk about this all day. So keep me straight here. I, I, I do believe that it is something that we need to actively search for and look for. If you find yourself living your life without the existence of the Holy Spirit in your life or without pursuing this existence of the Holy Spirit, you need to make an adjustment in your faith. It is vital to your faith, to the success of your faith here on earth. But you may say to yourself, this, this spirit talks makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. You know, I've, I've never seen it express. It's wild. You know, I think of this and how it operates. And I'm just like, man, what I've seen on TV. I mean, have you seen the memes and the videos? It's wild. But can I tell you the bad experiences and negative displays don't negate his existence. It is important. Listen, I grew up all my life in a Pentecostal environment. I've been at this since I was born. And I've seen it. As a kid, I'm sitting there like, what are we doing here? There were some practices of this, of, of, in churches that just freaked me out as a kid. That I was like, never will I ever. You know? But when someone plays an awful Beethoven... We don't get mad at Beethoven for it, right? We know and acknowledge that the person playing it is the one with the problem. We don't blame Beethoven. You follow me? We have somehow told ourselves that if Moises stands up here and does it wrong, that is God's problem. That God did something wrong. And we get mad at the creator. So there we say, we don't understand. Abort, abort. We hit the button. Get out of here. I want nothing to do with this. The same is true for the Holy Spirit. Just because someone goes about it the wrong way does not mean that God made a mistake in leaving him behind for us to utilize him as our advocate. I'm not saying that recognizing the Holy Spirit is an easy thing to do. In fact, God says, I am that I am. So you're like, why would I need the Holy Spirit? We don't easily comprehend the Holy Spirit, but friends, hope, you have to have hope. Because neither did the early Christian church. It actually says in Acts chapter 19, verse 1 to 2, it says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. And look at what he said to them. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that the whole, about the Holy Spirit. So it's not, this is not an easy plug and play kind of conversation, okay? It took some time for people to understand what was at work here. One thing I have personally come to realize is that the Holy Spirit is best understood when experienced. No one can take that away from me. In other words, I can take you through the entire scripture and show you one passage after the next, after the other one. When we experience him personally, then you will understand him best. It's like having kids. You don't know till you have your own and dogs don't count. Sorry, don't boo me. You ever met that person? I, 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 can't, I can't say because I used to be like that. I would catch myself like somebody share a story about their child and I'm like, yeah, my dog Tony. Oh, no, no. Bad. It's not the same thing. Not the same thing. I used to have a dog named Tony. <laughs> Two of them actually. <laughs> Tony the first and Tony the second. <laughs> our relationship with the Holy Spirit is a vital part of our Christian living. In Romans chapter 8, verse 9, it says, but you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of the living God. And remember that those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to Him at all. That is difficult to comprehend, but a truth that we all must face as believers. That, that verse can't be ignored. You look at the entire chapter 8 of the book of Romans. It's called living in the spirit. I mean, it, it is full. It, it, is, it is in the Bible. So now that we have acknowledged his existence, I want to tell you about some of the benefits. And, and we're going to go through a sermon series of this. So there's going to be a lot of Sundays that we're going to dive into the differences. So you may be sitting here, if you're used to the Holy Spirit and you're excited about this and you're like, what about, tell them about, um, we're getting there, okay? Don't. <laughs> Number one, the Holy Spirit brings freedom. Brings freedom. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1 to 2, it says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the, of the life-giving Spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. No condemnation is such an important expression in this passage. Because we have the tendency to live our lives under so much guilt. We are our own worst enemies. It's not the devil. If you want to know where to start, start with the person in the mirror. Sometimes I, I don't even, I, you know, I'll, I'll get to the devil. I need to deal with this flesh, with myself, with my feelings, with my thoughts. That is my worst enemy. It's my own self. We are the ones stumbling over ourselves a lot of way, in a lot of ways. We like to use the enemy as an scapegoat. And we bring him to Waxhaw, North Carolina. And say the devil was at my house putting all kinds of thoughts in my mind. Wow, you're important. <laughs> you're at home, not today, devil, you know. 
and our lives end up being full of regret, making statements like, I wish I could have, or I wish I didn't. And I, I, I really wish it didn't have to work this way. What is amazing about this passage is that the, we see the freedom is something that starts with forgiveness. I, I, I love one of my favorite verses found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Because it, it talks about not letting ourselves return to the bondage that we came from. See, we, we, we always tell ourselves that bondage or requirements come when we come to church. And we begin a Christian life. We think freedom is represented by being able to do what we want. So we, we, we kind of have it backwards. We tell ourselves, when I become a Christian, now I have to go to church. Now I have to pray. Now I have to do all these things. And we, we kind of make it a, a bigger obstacle. But the Bible says that true freedom is found in Christ. In other words, you are bond by something out there. You may not think so because you think you're doing what you want. The Bible in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, warns us not to go back to that bondage. Meaning that's believers. We could end up telling ourselves that we're back into it again. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. It says, now make sure that you stay free. And don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now, I was talking to the, to the Pharisees and, and, and the, the, the believers that... that that were so accustomed to following the law that they end up believing in, in rigid religious activity and things that they thought they needed to do. Romans 8, chapter five, uh, 8, 5 says, Those who are dominated by sinful nature think about sinful things, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that drew you to Christ to experience His forgiveness is the same one that gives you the power to dominate sin. It starts with forgiveness. It produces freedom. But then we don't want it because we can't understand it. The Holy Spirit sustains our freedom. It is one thing to know we are free and it is another one to walk in that freedom daily. It is a new level of, of excitement. One of the best commands I taught Tony II is... We, we, we took him to like a PetSmart or something, and he went through the lessons, and he got the hat, graduated, did great. One of the best commands they told me is draw the imaginary line. And I would look at Tony, and I would say, Tony, sit. He would sit and look at me. It's a 150-pound lab, okay? He looked at me, and I would say, stay here. And I would just draw this line, and I would walk away. And he would sit there. And he would sit there. I actually, if you've been to my house, I have a long driveway. I opened the door, my front door, and he would sit there. And I would say, Tony, wait here. And I would just walk. I would go almost all the way down to my mailbox. And you could see him excited back there, whacking his tail. There's excitement and freedom. All right? There's excitement and freedom. He's excited about it. But then when I say, come here, boy, he would lose it and take off running. Full speed. Just like slobber everywhere. I mean, because it's one thing to have it. It is another thing to walk in it. The door was open. He was free. He was excited because he knew the time of running was coming. But when I said, come here, boy, and he would take off a whole new level of excitement. The Holy Spirit has this freedom package for us to live into. You're not being bonded by the church. There's a spirit of God that can set you truly free. 
to live, to live the life that you were created to live. This is what Paul says in Ephesians 6, 18. He says, pray in the spirit at all times. On every occasion, stay alert and be persistent in your prayer for all the believers everywhere. He knew that it would be a continual battle if we wanted to not only receive freedom, but also experience it and walk in it daily. We have to pray in the spirit constantly. Number two, the spirit of God brings peace. There's a lot of people looking for peace nowadays. If I tell the room, do you want to be at peace? We would all lift our hands up and say, yes, we want peace. We join organizations to find some sort of comfort, certainty in our lives. We try to, 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 to go about it a certain way. Like, like we'll buy a house with homeowners associations just because it gives us peace of mind. I kind of cringe inside when I said that because I'm not a fan of homeowners associations personally. Hey, not knocking on you. Just not a fan of it. <laughs> Move out. No, <laughs> I'm just... But, but we, we, we go at it at all costs, trying to figure out ways to find more peace for our lives. And peace that is experienced by the Spirit of God that surpasses anything we have ever experienced. Look at what Romans 8, 6 says. It says, so letting your sinful nation control your minds leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to what? Life and sign me up. I'm ready for it. We want peace. We don't want to be in bondage. If you don't have peace, my question to you would be, what is occupying your mind? Because any space in your mind controlled by God has peace. It's a guaranteed. Therefore, any space in your mind without peace, it's not controlled by God. It's controlled by something else. Something else is driving that thought. Listen, I understand that there's a, a ton of things in life that come against our peace. Uncontrollable circumstances, uncontrollable people, and unanticipated problems. But through those things, Paul says that the mind, is con that, the mind that is controlled by the Spirit will be led to peace. How? One of the many things that the Holy Spirit does, it, it helps us to accept things that we can't control. He is there to help us cope with things that we're like, why, God? Why, why is this happening? Look at John chapter 14, verse 26 to 27. It says, but the Father sends the advocate as a, represent, as a representative. That is the Holy Spirit. He will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. I am leaving you a gift. What is that? Peace of mind and heart. Wow. Wow. You know, have we unlocked a secret here this morning? You know, it, 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 it might have been something you're believing in, but, you know, have, have you looked at it through this lens of like saying, man, if I just, if I just give my mind to God and, and let the Holy Spirit work within my life, I will find the peace of mind that I've been searching for, the peace in my heart that I've been longing for. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled and afraid. We live in a fallen world with many troubles. However, the Spirit of God is here to remind us that He is the gift. So great that the world can't even give it. You know, we forfeit having peace because we have an obsession with control. I'm a control freak. I am. 
I struggle with it all the time personally. You know, and that, and that, and that goes into my relationship with God. We want control over God, over the things of God in our lives. But we also want peace. It's counterproductive. It's contradictory. It doesn't make any sense. Psalms 119, 165 says, those who love instructions have great, those who love your instructions have great peace and do not stumble. Making a, a proven formula to us that we will not stumble if we let God take control. You know, we have to understand, I did this old illustration back in the day. And I got to move a little quicker here. Or are you guys good? We're good. All right. Styles, am I good? <laughs> so this old illustration back in the day. You know, we, we get annoyed. You know, when my mom first let me push the shopping cart around the store, I get annoyed. I, I would get annoyed because she said, you could push the shopping cart. And I would grab the shopping cart, and I'm like, oh, I'm ready to go. Thanks, Mom. This is exciting. You know, I'm more like this, you know. Um, but then she would grab the front of the shopping cart. And I'm like, well, that's not really letting me do it, is it? You know, and she's just like steering me, you know, making sure I don't do anything crazy, you know. And it, was, it would annoy because it's like, Mom, did you really let me push the cart? I mean, was I really ready? Because you grabbed it. A lot of us treat our relationship with God that same way. Because God takes control of certain areas of our lives that he knows we can't handle. We get, we get upset. We get bothered. Let me handle this. I know how to do this. I can take it from here. The other thing that the Spirit of God gives us is fellowship. In 2 Corinthians 13, 14, it says, May the grace of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's amazing. That's, that's, that's how you could handle other people. You're like, how in the world are you friends with that person? It may be the Holy Spirit of God helping you through it all. <laughs> Sounds funny, but, you know, that's how we make it in a marriage. Married people would agree in the room. I'm telling you, one of the reasons why my wife and I are still together this day, after 15 years of marriage, is because we came to a point in our marriage where we both had to look at our common faith and say, we need this. We need an arbitrary in here. We got to bring the word of God into this because we're at a standstill. You're on your side. I'm on my side. We need common ground. What is our common ground? Our faith. Then let's, let's, be, let's put our foundation in that because I don't agree with you. You don't agree with me. But however, we both agree with this. Let's go to it. It is the Holy Spirit of God that helps us through all this. You know, the, the fellowship It means for us to open up to the deepest part of our lives to him. In case you wonder why your relationship with God matters, God gave a part of himself here on earth for us to be in relationship with him. Life in the spirit includes many benefits. And it not only includes signs and gifts and different things you see that may scare you. It is important for, for, for those things to happen. But life in the spirit is also much more than that. We must trust this benefit as the best thing that has happened to our lives. Jesus said in Luke 11, 13, he says, if you're sinf if, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? It is a gift, the best gift we could have ever gotten. He is our helper. I don't need help, Moises. Yes, you do. We all do. We're living life constantly in need of much help. And the Spirit of God is saying, I'm here. 
You wonder why you lack peace. You wonder why you feel bonded. You wonder why you feel loneliness. Well, the Spirit gives freedom, peace, fellowship. There's a lot of things we could gain from it. The Bible talks about it in Luke as the best gift. You know, you're worried about the lack of peace that you have. And I'll wrap up with this. You know, you know that what we usually worry about the most tends to be the things that we trust God with the least. It's the truth. It's a control thing. When you're worried about something, you don't trust God with it. You're trusting yourself with it. You know what one of my biggest fears is? Is that I, is that I, that I get seen as a fraud. Because of, I'm a human. I, you know, it's a tough position to be in. And I have to understand that it's got through me. It's got through me. Like Styles was saying, it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with God. You know, Penn State did the study and had people write down the things that they worry about actually, you know, the things that they worry about all the time that actually took place within 30 days. They said, write down all the things you're worried about. People wrote it down. 30 days went by, and, and 90% of the things they were, 91% of the things they worry about never happened. 91%. So when we worry, we worry about things that have a 99%, a 9% chance of actually happening. And in the process, we lose 100% of our peace. And that's what we spend the most of our lives in. Worried, concerned, troubled by life, by the events that take place tomorrow, by the work conversation, by the pain, the backache, or whatever we dealt with in the day. Worried about things that probably have a chance to never happen again. Here's what I know. The Holy Spirit is here to help us to do things that would seem impossible to us are possible under his power. He is here to accomplish far more than you ever give yourself to credit to. If I was only relying on myself, I would be a fraud. But thank God. That an unworthy individual as myself, under the covering of the grace of God and his mercy, relying on the Holy Spirit of God to support me in power, actively, is able to make it through much because of him. That is our hope. That is our gift. The peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. If you take anything from today, no. You can, if you can't find it here, you're not going to find it anywhere. If you're not at peace here, you won't be at peace with anything else. Circumstances will not bring you peace. The active, operating work of the Holy Spirit of God in your life will bring you peace. Who here wants to reject the gift? None of us. We take it. We always take it, thankful that we're getting a gift. Well, God said, Jesus says, I'm leaving you a gift. You want me to go. We remember Jesus for his sacrifice and his resurrection, but we also take his advice on the advocate of our lives.
and say, I will live the rest of my life as a believer, knowing that there's an active power of a spirit working within me, guiding me towards God to accomplish so much more than I could ever think I could accomplish. Amen? Bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I, I, I just, I am reminded of how active you are in our daily lives, Lord. Holy Spirit, be with us. It's not just, God, about waking up in your presence, but it starts with acknowledging that your presence is even there. Get up, getting up in the morning and, and, and knowing that the Holy Spirit is there before we even get to experience him. God, I just thank you. You give us the ability to honor you with our lives. As unworthy as we may be, you have given us a great gift. And today we don't want to take that for granted. We want to take that gift and know that it's ours and know that you have great purpose with it for us to rely fully on you, God, on your spirit to control our lives, to move us, to adjust our path to the right things. Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God, because we're not frauds. We are your living church operating under a great power, a life-changing power. God, one that can't be argued, one that can't be overcome. So God, this morning, we're reminded to put you on the forefront to know that there is freedom, peace, and fellowship found in your spirit. So Holy Spirit, continue to convict our lives. Give us convictions that overpower our temptations so that we may serve you and serve you well. It's not about us, God. It's about you. Help us to answer the call. We pray all this in your name. Amen. Give God praise this morning.